Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, we're continuing a series in uh, the Beatitudes. We've just called it Blessed and it comes from Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus starts a sermon with a list of blessings, the things that make us Blessed, and we only kicked it off last week. And sort of warn you now, we're going out of order a little bit, right? Because I want to speak a message that's a little bit of a Mother's Day message, but it's not just directed at mums. But the second beatitude in the list is one that we'll touch on in a couple of weeks, um, which is blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And you know, on any day of celebration, um, no matter what it is in our calendar, there's always, for some of us, uh, some pain attached to that. And Mother's Day is a great day of celebration. All of us are here. We've all got a mum. Uh, we've all got a mum who's had an influence on our life. Some of us good. Some of us maybe weren't close to our mum or didn't know our mums well. And so, you know, whatever day of celebration can always come with grief. Some of us are here and today we mourn because we've had to farewell our mums or our mums can't be with us right now because of their own uh, journey. Some of us mourn because deep in our heart is the desperation to have Uh, the joy of being called a mum, and as of yet, we haven't been able to see that, or maybe that is just not going to be part of our story. It's really strange that Jesus lists in a list of blessings the idea of mourning. But he said, blessed are those who mourn, but the tagline that follows that is, for they will be comforted. And so I'm going to pray in just a moment for those of us today that carry some grief in our heart on Mother's Day, because Jesus says that those who mourn will be comforted. And you know why? Because grief is not something that we carry because the world is as it should be. Those of us that have had to farewell a mum or had to farewell the dream of being a mum, that is not the world as God intends it to be. And so when he says, blessed are those who mourn, what he's saying is that there's actually something in our heart that grieves when we know that the world isn't as it should be. But Jesus has hope for you. He says, but you'll be comforted because... The world isn't as it should be, but Jesus is in the business of making the world right. And so one day your grief will turn into happiness. But uh, right now in this moment, there's a mourning in your heart. And so if you're here and Mother's Day is a day of pain for you for whatever reason, I just want to pray for you and just minister God's grace to you this morning. Can we do that together? Hey, Lord, I just want to echo with everyone on stage this morning, just your blessing for all the mums in the room. Thank you for them. Thank you for the joy they bring our life for the nurture that so many of us have received, for the example that so many of us have experienced. Thank you for the mums in this room that are women of faith, that have shown their families what it is to love and serve Jesus. But God, today we also acknowledge in the celebration and in the joy, for some of us there's also some heartache, heartache of dreams lost, heartache of pain in our own families right now, a broken relationship, heartache of mothers that we've lost. And so, Father, I just want to pray this morning in the midst of all of that, that you would just minister your comfort. You are the God of all comfort and you promise that those who mourn will be comforted. So, Lord, would you just surround uh, each one this morning with your arms of love, your arms of grace and your arms of comfort, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to jump a little bit further down the list of the Beatitudes this morning and I want to talk about peace. When Jesus has described Isaiah chapter 9, a prophetic picture of God himself incarnate on earth, one of the things that we hear about is he will be called the Prince of 
peace. Now, we talk about that a lot at Christmas, but what does it mean for him to be the Prince of Peace? Because as I survey the world right now, and as I talk to a lot of people, and I think especially post-pandemic, one of the things that people are craving is peace. We're craving peace. And it's crazy because if you look at our world, you would think that we'd worked some of this out. We live in a time of more. We live in a time of more. We have more information than we've ever had before at our fingertips. You can find out important information or random information or useless information. And there's surveys that say our young people are filling their minds on a daily basis with more information than most of us had to process in months or even years. There is more information than ever before. We live in a world with more resource than ever before. More things available to us, especially in our pocket of the world, we have more resource. More resource also equals more opportunity. Most of us recognise that there is a way for us to actually do a lot of the things that we desire to do. We have more money, we have more medical advancement, we have more education, we have more communication channels. And as we look at the world and the space of it, we realise that we've got more education on history and more commentary on it. You know, 200 years ago when a war was waged, people could, to some extent, claim ignorance. But today, we can't claim ignorance because we live in a world of more. Yet in this world of more, so many people don't have peace. So all that more promised hasn't led us to more peace. Almost counterintuitively, the more that we have has also led us to more anxiety. You're overwhelmed with information and sometimes that overwhelm of information or the overwhelm of communication just fills your heart with anxiety. I hate, and and I'm not like some, Some people open their phones and see a red dot and start to panic. If you know me well, my phone is filled with red dots. (laughs) I've missed message on Instagram, missed messages on Messenger, uh, missed messages on WhatsApp, missed messages on my phone, missed SMSs, missed emails. I've got red dots everywhere. And some of you are just being filled with anxiety right now because you're going, if I had a red dot, my world would fall apart. Some of you are filled with anxiety because one of those red dots is from you and I've been ignoring you for weeks. (laughs) But take heart. If you think I've got a lot of red dots, go and look at Casey Klein's phone at the end of the service (laughs) and look at the red dots on her email and you'll feel better about yourself for the rest of time. But some of us are filled with anxiety because of the more. In this world of more, we also have more overwhelm. You see, the more opportunity we have just breeds more anxiety in us because there's more things that we feel like we could do, we want to do, and we should do. And most of us wake up and we go, I just don't have enough time to go to the gym. I just don't have enough time to catch up with the friends I want to catch up with. I just don't have enough time to cook dinner at home the way I want to cook dinner at home. I just don't have enough time to get to church regularly. And when we think about it, we go, well, 90 minutes a week for all of those things is probably not the hardest thing, but we're so overwhelmed because of the opportunities before us that we don't live with peace. We have more anxiety, more overwhelm, more depression and more conflict, yet we live in a world that craves peace. But you know what's crazy? 
The way that we try and find peace is by just adding more into our lives. More resources, more information, and we think more strength. Because the way this world has dealt with the pursuit of peace in times gone past is just to get stronger. You see, you think if you can be more powerful than your foe, that you can have peace. And so we land at what I would say is our world's definition of peace, which is simply the absence of conflict. Well, I've got good news for you, because you might be right now living in a space where you feel like there's not a lot of conflict in your life, but you don't feel like you have peace. Thankfully, Jesus gives us a picture of peace that was much bigger and deeper and more impacting than that. Because when Jesus announces his kingdom and he says that blessed are those, and we'll get to what in a minute, he doesn't give us a picture of peace that's just the absence of something. He talks about peace as the presence of something. And that's the peace that I want to talk to us about this morning because I believe it's the peace that the human heart craves. But when Jesus speaks a blessing... He actually wants us to know that peace is a ministry that he gives to his people into a broken, anxious and overwhelmed world. So what does Jesus say? I'll tell you what he doesn't say first. He doesn't say blessed are the peaceful. Blessed are the peaceful. Now mums, or parents, but it's Mother's Day. When you signed up to be a mum, you signed the death warrant on a peaceful life. And you try and placate that by putting a tapestry in your lounge room that says he leads me by quiet waters. <laughs> but you all know that there's not a lot of quiet waters to be had the minute you add kids, and some more than others. Those of you that are here this morning with young kids are saying amen to that. Right now, you're living with sleep deprivation. You have no time to switch off whole bunch of you sitting at the back and you're just like, there's the time where they tell you, get up and go say day to someone and you get up to go say day to someone and your kid's already 60 metres from where they should be and you're sitting at home and you just want to watch the finale of Farmer Wants a Wife but there's a coffee table in the middle of your lounge room which is at the wrong height and even though you know it's the wrong height, you still leave the stupid thing there but every minute you think your kid's going to fall over and hit themselves on that coffee table and so you just never switch off because young kids don't bring a lot of peace into your life, they just bring a lot of noise and a lot of demand and every time you want to go somewhere, even coming to church this morning, you needed to pack a removalist truck just to get here and by the time you unloaded all that stuff and got it inside, your kid cracked it and you had to leave anyway. (laughs) I've got good news for you. When I had young kids, I thought, this is only going to get better. Matt Fryling just made the point for me. (laughs) Because then you've got teenagers and they had needs. Oh, did they have needs. And they don't need your love, they just need your money and they need your car. (laughs) And so you don't live at peace. He leads me beside still waters. Isn't that a wonderful vision of what you're not living right now? I just look at our life this weekend. Friday night came and we've been blessed with five beautiful kids. It was Harrison's 17th birthday. If you see him today, make sure you go and uh, give him 17 punches on the arm. But he was 17 on Friday. So we're trying to do a little birthday celebration. Sarah was on her way to kids club. Harrison wanted to go to youth because if you know my son, he was just happy to come 
come and say, here I am, it's my birthday, bless me. So he didn't want to miss youth. But Isaac was playing football down at Burley Heads and the M1 on a Friday night is only to be described as a nightmare. Eli was playing football at Sherwood and even though he's 20, I'll say it so he doesn't hear me, even though he's 20, right, and he can drive himself, he still loves it when mum and dad come and watch his games. So now we've got conflict because we've got a birthday, we've got a child that needs to be driven to Burling, we've got a child that wants to be driven to Sherwood. <laughs> but then our other son, who's meant to be playing basketball, gets sick and so now we can't drag him into the cold night air so we're calling grandparents to come and look after him and we've got Sarah that's going to be picked up from kids club and then on top of that our nephews are playing ice hockey at at 10 o'clock and somewhere in the crazy past Chrissy said we'll come on Harrison's birthday and they got a 10 o'clock game so Chrissy got to hang out with six other people and watch ice hockey at 10.20 on Friday night and if that was just Friday night that is not peaceful Yet we get home and we lie in our beds and we open up social media and there on Instagram is a photo that someone taken of their perfect family. All of the kids are matched in cute little outfits. Mum's smiling as she runs through the wheat fields. The kids are messy but happy. The mum, it's a beautiful sepia tone as the sun sets. No one's crying. She's drinking a half-strength vegan-inspired chai latte with milk from almonds that were milked at the coffee shop she bought it from. And you look at that and go, blessed are the peaceful. I want that. That's not reality. You know what reality is? Prince William and Kate couldn't even get their kids to the king's coronation on time because that's what it's like to have children. Can I hear an amen? But I've got good news. Jesus doesn't say blessed are the peaceful, even though it's good to find peaceful places to go. And he does lead us at times beside still waters. And every one of us needs to find those still waters in our life. But your life right now may not be peaceful, but that's okay. Because living at peace and being peaceful are different things. Jesus doesn't say blessed are the peaceful. Jesus doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. Now I'm glad that uh, they're both here today, but there's two brothers in our congregation One's name starts with P and one's name starts with R. They're a little bit older. One's tanned and one's got a crop top and sitting at the back. Their parents talk about when they used to come together that the war would start before they even got in the front door. And let's be honest, Philip and Robin were punching on in the front yard while Margaret had the garden hose and Dennis had the phone waiting to call the ambulance. Because blessed are the peacekeepers, right? Maybe that's what you think your family looks like, right? Just all you're doing is you're just the, the middle ground of warring parties constantly. Those brothers are reconciled and they love each other. It's awesome. <laughs> They'll do a big hug at the end just to prove it as well. So just to throw it in there. But maybe that's what you, your family feels like right now. And all, most families go through phases like that if you've got multiple children where it's like, man, these kids... They just can't seem to get it right. And you feel like you spend your whole life standing with a phone and a garden hose just trying to be the peacekeeper because all you need to do is keep them apart because that will keep the peace. But peacekeeping is not what Jesus says is blessed. You know, our world celebrates peacekeepers. And we send peacekeeping forces 
to parts of the world that are marked by violence. But the image for me of a peacekeeping force is someone dressed in army greens walking the streets holding a rifle because they just know that if they can be a presence there, they might be able to keep violence out of there. See, that is just peace that's the absence of violence, but it's not the peace that Jesus calls us to. Jesus goes even further. And this is, this is what he says. Matthew 5, chapter 8. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I just want to spend a few minutes this morning asking the question of what is a peacemaker? What is a peacemaker? Well, the first thing that we need to know about peacemakers is peacemakers are people that live at peace. I was listening to a, an interview this week where someone was talking to someone that lived in a conflicted area of the Middle East and had horrific things done to them and lived in a, a place of significant conflict. And he said this, and it really sticks with me. He says, this, you, cannot, you cannot offer peace as a solution until you have received it as a gift. You cannot offer peace as a solution until you have received it as a gift. So when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, we, we understand in the tense of this whole idea of makers that it's a proactive stance that you take. But to be a peacemaker, we need to learn to live at peace. Well, I've got good news. Jesus offers peace that's different to the peace that this world offers. Jesus offers us peace despite our failure. And some of us kind of feel like we can't live at peace until we sort ourselves out. All of us are going to have some stuff in our life that's going to need sorting out. And you'll always have things in your life that need sorting out. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus is He doesn't offer you His grace and His peace when you sort yourself out. He was proactive in bringing His peace to you, even in the midst of your mess. The Apostle Paul writes a letter recorded in the Scriptures to a church and we read some of his words in the book of Colossians chapter 1. He says this, For God was pleased, he's talking about Jesus now, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. The good news for you this morning that Jesus offers you peace even in the midst of your failure. And you don't need to go on some self-help or self kind of retribution journey to sort yourselves out. Jesus offers you peace despite your failure. More than that, he offers you peace despite your circumstances. See, we think peace can only come when everything else has been sorted out and the world is settled. But that's not reality. I have a very good friend of mine this week that have, was given a really shocking medical diagnosis that's just turned his whole world upside down. And as he's writing to me about the treatment and it's changing daily, he says to me this, I'm just glad that I'm doing this in tandem with Jesus. You see, what he's saying is that despite the circumstances, Jesus can bring peace to our life. Jesus himself says it in John's Gospel. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Is there an amen to that? Because every one of us knows that that is true. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, 
I have overcome the world. See, Jesus can offer us peace despite our failure. He can offer us peace despite our circumstances. And the peace that he offers isn't just a little placating peace that makes us feel good for a brief minute. The Bible says that the peace that Jesus offers is a peace that transcends understanding. In other words, it's a peace that does not make sense given your current circumstances. So no matter what's raging around you right now or what might start raging around you this week, no matter what pain you feel in your heart today, Jesus offers a peace that doesn't make sense in your circumstances. He says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If you want to live out the blessing of Jesus to be a peacemaker, the first journey for some of us is learning to live at peace. And maybe right now in the midst of our sin, our failure, our circumstance, we're turning everywhere else in a search for peace. And the invitation this morning is that the only one that can gift peace to you that transcends all understanding is Jesus himself. The world has been trying to find peace in more. But Jesus says, peace isn't found there. Peace is found in my presence. So the first step to being a peacemaker is learning to live at peace with yourself and finding peace with God. Secondly, What are peacemakers? Peacemakers are people that pursue peace. I mean, this is the way of Jesus. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us or his own love for you in this, that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. In other words, Jesus didn't wait for everything else to be sorted out. Jesus went on the front foot. He took the initiative. He pursued you out of love, even when you weren't even looking at Him or noticing Him or living the way that He would call you to live. He didn't wait for you to sort your mess out. He just took the initiative. He stepped out of the glory of heaven into the brokenness of your story because that is what He's like. And He pursues you with His love, His grace and His peace. And you know what peacemakers do? Peacemakers pursue peace. They don't wait for it to come to them. They pursue peace. Peacemakers are proactive. And sometimes being a peacemaker, and here for some of us, this next two minutes is going to be the hardest rub of my message today. But being a peacemaker means that you're the one that takes the step to be proactive in the brokenness of whatever you're experiencing right now. That's what Jesus did in your story. He took the proactive step of initiating peace even when you didn't deserve it. And sometimes being a peacemaker means that we're gonna have to step into a mess that the justice in our heart doesn't wanna step into. Because every one of us at some point is gonna be hurt or wronged. But peacemakers are proactive. And I know as I touch on this today, there's some pain. And I know there's pain in this room. There's pain because of broken family relationship. There's pain because of broken or fractured friendship. Maybe as you think of your story and people close to you, you've been let down, you've been abandoned, someone spoke a harsh word at the wrong time, someone didn't turn up when they should have been. 
You know, in 20 years of pastoral ministry, one of the saddest things that I've had to see is when families get torn apart and when you sit down and you hear about families that haven't spoken for decades or people that are just at war and you say, what actually started this? And everyone looks sheepishly and thinks, well, if I'm really honest, it's quite laughable. But we've spent the last 20 years working out who's right. And so we haven't spoken because of something that happened at a lunch or on a phone call or in a text message. And for some of us, who was right becomes more important than the relationship itself. But blessed are the peacemakers. And here's the rub. Peacemakers proactively pursue peace. If these two verses don't challenge you to the core, I don't know what else will. But Romans 12 verse 8, if it is possible, as far as it depends on who, let's say, me. It says you, but he's talking to me and you and you and me. You get it. He's talking to you. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know what? To to be a peacemaker, sometimes we're going to have to be the first to say sorry when we spent the last 15 years demanding it from the other first. To be a peacemaker might mean that we need to make the phone call that we don't want to make or send out the dinner invitation that we don't want to give or choose to let go of the pain that we fostered that's eaten us up. Because if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. So the question I want to ask you, peacemaker, is this. What is it that you can do? What's the as far as it depends on me bit in your story? In restoring peace to a relationship, to your family, to a friendship that right now isn't present. Ephesians 4 verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So here's the proactive bit. As far as it depends on you, make every effort. What? To pursue peace. See, peacemakers pursue peace. Why? Because God pursued peace with you and you didn't deserve it. Thirdly, peacemakers serve. See, we talk about the Beatitudes as the picture of Jesus' upside down kingdom. He turns everything that people thought on its head. Last week, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, all the pursuits of you know, riches and wealth and significant. Jesus says, no, no, no. If you are destitute and poor and you've got nothing but Jesus, you're in the most blessed place. But today he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called the children of God. And people are expecting the Messiah to come as like a warring king. In other words, he was going to follow the way of the world in coming as more powerful than those that had risen up. More powerful in his time than the Roman Empire. And that's what they were expecting. They were expecting the strength of heaven to come and rescue their story. And Jesus comes as a servant who dies. And in that shows incredible strength that crushes the power of sin and death. But Jesus' pursuit of peace wasn't through being a war hero or a mighty politician. It, was, it came through serving. There's this incredible verse where you know, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. 
But just before he gets on the ground and he takes out the towel and the wash basin, it says this, that Jesus now being fully aware that everything in all of heaven and all on earth was under his control and power. In other words, Jesus had this moment of being completely aware of the power that he carried and said, so then he took a cloth and he took a bowl and he washed his disciples' feet. That is how you use power to bring peace, by serving those around you. See, peacemakers... Learn to serve the powerful and the powerless. We don't go to offer peace through more or greater strength. We go to offer peace through Jesus. And finally, I'm going to land here. I'll get the band to come join me. Peacemakers are those that pursue shalom. Now, what's this crazy word? Shalom is actually the Hebrew word for peace. But in in actually understanding the concept of shalom as translated as peace in our Bible, we get a sense of what peace actually looks like. As I said, we live in a world that thinks peace is just the absence of conflict. But the picture of shalom, the picture of godly heavenly peace goes way beyond just the absence of conflict. Shalom is a state of wholeness, of reconciliation, of harmony, where the world is as it should be. It's not just standing there going, everything's good, no one's got a problem today, we're good. Peace exists. No, no, no. Shalom is a place that takes that which is broken and brings it back together and offers healing and wholeness. So you know when we're in called to be peacemakers, we're not just called to go and put out the spot fires, we're actually called to go and bring reconciliation to that which is broken, to bring healing to that which is fractured, to put aside the conflict of the past and bring redemption for the future. That is the picture of shalom. It's a holistic peace where everything is back in order and made right. And that is the peace that Jesus offers you and it's the peace that He calls His church to show to the world. Because that is what we are as peacemakers. We're shalom bringers. We don't just go and stop people fighting. We teach them how to do life better together. We teach them what forgiveness can mean for their story. We show them that there is a God in heaven that can heal them and use their scars for His glory. That is what shalom peace is. And so blessed are the shalom makers for they will be called the children of God as we minister wholeness, harmony, repair, restoration, reconciliation and hope. Will you be a peacemaker? Proactively pursuing shalom in your family, in your workplace, in your neighbourhood, in your friendship. Will you be a peacemaker? Because blessed are the peacemakers. They're called His kids because that is what He is like. And when we minister peace, we reflect our dad and what He wants people to experience of Him. Lord Jesus, as we come to the conclusion of our time this morning, we thank You that what You offer us isn't just the absence of conflict, but the redemption of all things. Your shalom, your peace that brings everything back and makes it right. Lord, compel us to be 
peacemakers. As your kids, as those that get called the children of God, that, that we would reflect the heart, the love, the grace, the joy and the peace of our Father in heaven into a broken, fractured world that constantly pursues more in the hope that it makes life better, but yet hasn't unlocked the key that peace isn't found in the more, but peace is found in the presence of Jesus and His love, grace and hope. Hey, right now, I just, uh, I just want to pray for some of us this morning that right now you just carry a burden in your heart because of something in your story or your family or you know, a friendship that just is broken and, and you know that the tough call for you is to be the peacemaker. And it's not easy. But I want to pray for you this morning, one, that you'd be overwhelmed again by God's grace shown to you through His pursuit of you and relationship with you from heaven. But more than that, that He would just give you the courage to be the one who brings peace, who takes the first step. That as far as it depends on you, Restoration can and will happen. Now, I, I, don't, I don't want you to stand or put your hand up this morning. I just realised for some of us, you know, the pain might be sitting in this room, but maybe just if where you sit, you just say amen to this prayer. God will hear it. He'll see your heart and He'll minister to you in this place. Let me pray for you. And if this is a prayer for you this morning, receive it and add your amen to it. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for the pain that exists in this room. Lord, the pain... Today on Mother's Day, of families that are fractured, maybe some parents here that haven't talked to their children for weeks or months or years, the pain in this room of friendships that have been damaged, maybe workplaces, Lord, wherever it is that there's relational brokenness. God, would you give us the courage to be the peacemaker, to live the courageous call of as far as it depends on us, living at peace with all people and pursuing the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God, I want to pray, Lord, for a, a great courage. Lord, a willingness to, to capture just the essence of forgiveness, which is willing to put aside the pain in the pursuit of reconciliation. Lord God, just, I pray by Your Spirit, You just give courage. To many here this morning that just know that the call for them is to be the peacemaker in that which is broken in their family story. Lord, minister deeply to that this morning, I pray. And together we say, Amen. Hey, can, I, can we all stand together? We're going to finish our service singing a prophetic song that for you this morning, the back of all that I've said might be just a prophetic song that you need to declare out because this is the stance that you're going to take. You're going to speak the name of Jesus over the brokenness in your family, over the brokenness in your story. Because blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the children of God. As we sing that this morning, we have a prayer team here that would love to minister to you. Whatever you've carried in today, whatever burden you have, whatever pain in your heart, whatever need, that you walked in with this morning, one of the great gifts that we can offer as a church is some people that will stand with you and bring you to Jesus each and every week. I'd love you to take that opportunity as we sing or as the service closes. But why don't we sing this prophetically over our world today. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. 
You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.